there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Advanced Medicine Monday, official now. Dr. Batar is back. And we have got some things to discuss with you, Dr. Batar. Thank you for being here, as always, to co-host on Monday. I am happy to be here, Robert. I heard that there are some pretty exciting things that we got to talk about today. So I'm looking forward to today, especially yes. since there's some uh, congressional issues that happened. Fireworks, fireworks. Now, didn't you years ago testify in front of Dan Burton's committee on the whole vaccine issue? I mean, this is a long time ago for you, right? Yep. Uh, May 6, 2004, I testified in front of the U.S. Congressional Subcommittee on Human Rights and Wellness that was chaired by Congressman Dan Burton and uh, Congress Lady Diane Watson, also co-chaired at that time. Wow. That's eight over eight years ago. Now, considering what happened just this last week, and we covered it a bit, and I was really anxious to get with you on this, and, and even if you not being there, you'll be shocked to hear that every, just about everybody in Congress, woman and man, left and right, Democrat and Republican, was grilling the representative from the CDC and the IOM like I've never heard them before. I mean, I, at the time you testified, I imagine you were the anomaly. They probably were looking to get you out as fast as possible. Not Burton or anything, but probably the rest of the people in the committee didn't know what they were hearing. No, actually, believe it or not, um, Diane Watson was there, uh, Congressman Dan Weldon, who's a physician from Florida, was there, mm-hmm. and they were. It was very pro our stance. In fact, the problem was that all the other congressional members that should have been there weren't there. They weren't even there. Okay, that explains it. See, I figured right. if they were there, there would have been a backlash of who are you to question the official story, the CDC, the Institute of Medicine, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because. What we saw is that the CDC woman kept coming up and saying, oh, there's plenty of studies that have put to bed this nonsense about the vaccines and the thimerosal and the, and the link to autism. And, and this was amazing because one of the ladies brought up, hey, what about that Thorson guy? He's on like the FBI's most wanted list. Wasn't he involved with a lot of those studies? And she tried to say, well, maybe a little bit. Turns out he, he was, his hands were all over 24, 25 or 26 of them. Wow. Well, actually, what happened was after my testimony uh there were a couple of the people too and myself and one other person that was on that that testified the same day we were both nominated and actually i i believe i was nominated i had the first bipartisan nomination for the director's pioneer award that was basically gave you a grant for five hundred thousand dollars every year for five years from the national institute of health and from what I understand, um, the nomination that I got was from – it was the first time it was a bipartisan nomination because Dan Burton's a Republican and Diane Watson, who's a congress lady from California, is a Democrat. And so they both nominated me for that award. And what was interesting was when the response came back, 
it said that even though you know they they appreciated the nomination and blah 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 and this that the other mm-hmm. the issue of autism was not a significant biomedical issue according to them that was the reason that my nomination was turned down holy crap it wasn't significant in 04 yet since 1991 with the new vaccine schedule it is orders of magnitude accelerated it is an epidemic this was time and time again repeated in this latest hearing, Dr. Batar, was amazing. And in fact, one of the guys on there, they were saying, it's, it, well, it's a genetic thing. It's a genetic thing. And we've got some stunning uh, testimony from Mark Blaxel from Age of Autism. We're going to hear from audio clips from him actually testifying. We'll go to that in just a moment, Dr. Batar. Well, before we do that, Robert, I just want to say one quick thing. Sure. In 1991, when the National Vaccine Initiative began, it was... One in 10,000 children had autism. And as of 2011, 2012, it was like one in 60, something like that. One in 57 children have autism. Mm. And, of course, it varies depending on which state you look at and what the data is. But it's well below that 100 mark. And what's interesting is that when I testified in 2004, which was, again, 13 years after the National Vaccine Initiative started, the cost – of an individual that had autism, what it would cost the government, what it would cost society was estimated at $8.4 million over the life of that child based upon loss of productivity, medical and health costs, loss of income for the families, the, for the parents because they were taking care of the child, etc., etc. It was considered to be $8.4 million per child. And at that time, they still said it wasn't a significant biomedical issue. And in 2004, I think the incidence of autism was already up to 1 in 115 or 1 in 130, something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. Well, and the the cost is is increasing further. A big part of this latest testimony was, you know, sponsored and stimulated by parents that are saying, listen, what happens after we're gone? I mean, we care. We, we're advocates for our kids here that are in this spectrum. What if they can't function as adults and we die? Who's going to care for them then? And so exactly. it's, it's, it's going on beyond the initial insult and assault to we've got a major problem on our hands. A slew, if it's up to one in 88 or in some states, one in the 20s, like in New Jersey or Utah. It, I mean, this is what we're, we're getting the real face of it. And there were parents there uh, just packed this this testimony, this hearing. Not everybody could could actually uh, testify here. But Mark Blaxel from Age of Autism did. Let's hear uh, from him. Before 1930, the rate of autism in the world and in America was effectively zero. Today, nearly 70 years after Connor's paper, reported autism rates are 1 in 88. In New Jersey, 1 in 29 boys born in 2000 were diagnosed as autistic. What's going on? Why are so many American children sick? I think we have to face reality. We need to be clear. Autism is a public health crisis of historic proportions, worse than poliomyelitis. It's devastating a generation of children and their families. We need to face that reality. Autism is a national emergency. He even brought up polio and said it's much worse than polio, which I agree. But, man, oh, man, can you can you imagine that testifying? Well, I think it's uh, well overdue, Robert. It's, it's something that when uh, Congressman... Dan Burton and Dave Weldon and Diane Watson, when, when we were up in Congress, in fact, the testimony as it went, I got a call probably, it was, I think, about a month and a half later because I was back up in Congress yes. sometime in July. 
And Congressman Dan Borton asked me to be part of a press conference that they were going to have on Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. And that's where CBS World News Tonight covered that. And uh, I think you probably remember seeing that. That's where on national TV where I said that we were responding to the IOM report. The Institute of Medicine's report came out saying that autism was not related to thimerosal. my, I think the the words that I said, which a lot of people heard, I said today, um, I am embarrassed to be a physician. Yes, and that was uh, shortly after that congressional hearing. But you know, it's it's really interesting that back then it was. I, I felt like uh, m- myself and maybe one or two other doctors, we were like the lone voices, and in two thousand and four wasn't that long ago. There were other people that were talking about it, other people that wanted in, you know, something done about autism, but nobody was really talking about the thimerosal and mercury issue. They said that was controversial. There were people saying many things, that autism was being caused by this issue, that issue, the other yes. issue. But the mercury aspect, which I've always said, the mercury is the spark that caused the fire, that caused the damage. And yes, there are many other things that are fires that contribute to it, but the spark that initiated that fire is mercury, has always been mercury, yes. and will continue to be mercury. And that is the one thing. that Mercury is the only substance that causes the denudation of the neurofibrils. No other metal causes that. We know that lead decreases IQ, but it doesn't cause denudation of the neurofibrils. Only mercury does that. And that has been you know, uh, proven over and over again. In fact, mm-hmm. it's been video documented by the University of Calgary. That's right. That's right. And, yeah, look, you've been one of the few voices all those years ago as well. As you said, there were some that are weren't known. But they, the thing is, that was interesting about what you just said. Back eight years ago, there was actually mainstream media coverage of it. Yes. And after this latest crickets, nothing. They want to touch this. Not at all. Because what happened was so stunning. And that included this issue of mercury where they were challenged. The IOM and CDC both challenged if there's no evidence that mercury and thimerosal had anything to do with this, why did you pull it out of all of the vaccines except for the multi-dose vial ones? The, these were Congress people asking this question. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. There's another issue here, too, Robert, that many people don't know about. And that was there was another hearing that Congressman Dan Burton held with the Federal Trade Commission and the Food and Drug Administration. They had to... I believe they were subpoenaed, but I'm not sure whether they were subpoenaed. They had to testify. I'm sure they and, didn't come willingly. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that. I don't know whether they did or not. Tell you the truth, but regardless, the issue that brought them in before Congress and the reason that Dan Burton's subcommittee requested or subpoenaed them to be in front of them was because of this issue with the thimerosal in these vaccines that were labeled as thimerosal free. However, Safe Minds, and which is an organization out of California that Diane Watson helped to uh, get started, and there was another organization, I don't remember the name of them, they both had independent analysis done of multiple batches of multiple types of vaccines. Uh, I believe the hepatitis B vaccine was one of them, and there was, there was, a, there was a couple of, I think the um, MMR was one. Anyway, what they found was that these vaccines that were labeled these were single-dose vials, by the way, and they were labeled thimerosal-free, mm-hmm. yet independent analysis showed not only did they have thimerosal in there, but they had other things like nickel and um, you know, some other components in there that also weren't supposed to be in there. But they can specifically stated on the label it was thimerosal-free, and yet it contained ethylmercury. 
So the reason for the testimony was they wanted to find out why Congress asked them, why does this vial say thimerosal free? And yet when it's tested, it has thimerosal in it. Mm-hmm. The Federal Trade Commission, uh, because this was an issue, they addressed this first with the Federal Trade Commission because that was a truth and marketing component. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was literally a deceptive labeling. Exactly. And so the Federal Trade Commission, the director of the FTC at the time, d- redirected the question to the head of the FDA and told the members of Congress that this is a question you have to ask the FDA. And so Dan Burton turned to the FDA, director of the FDA, and the FDA director says, well, the issue is this, and again, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact words he used, but this was what his argument was. He said that when you have a vial and you add a vaccine to it and then you add a preservative to it, you must label the preservative. However, on 2001, 2002, 2003 timeframe, when the CDC recommended, did not obligate make the obligation that all manufacturers had to remove thimerosal, but they made the suggestion, they recommended it, which is what you were talking about as far as in 2003 when they made that recommendation to remove the Thimerosal. What was shocking was what the rationale was for the FDA. They said that when they said that no longer is the thimerosal added to the vaccine in that vial, so there is no added thimerosal. And when Congress asked why is it that it was in there, if you're saying there's none, there was none that was added in the vial, yeah. they said, well, that's actually now the thimerosal that is used during the manufacturing process. And because it was used in the manufacturing process and not added as a separate component within the vial at the end. Uh, it didn't, they said we, it didn't have to be listed. It, that's exactly right. Yeah, they said yeah. that you don't have to list anything that's used in the manufacturing process. It's only what's listed, uh, only has what's the, added a, a requirement for things to be listed mm-hmm. that are added in the vial individually. And that's why you've been saying this for years, that the thimerosal-free va- vaccines are not thimerosal-free. They actually do contain exactly. mercury. There's no such thing as a thimerosal-free vaccine. Exactly. Listen, it's this a, is special. Here's, here's the worst part. Yeah. Worst part is that this is a matter of congressional, historical, Library of Congress, it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's there. It's, it's listed, okay? This is something that... It's on the record. It's indisputable. It's on the record, exactly. And do you know that Congressman Dan Burton asked for criminal sanctions to be brought, in front of, uh, brought on the head of the FDA and the head of the FTC? He even asked me, and I said, when, when, they, when they brought this up, and I said, you know, with all due respect, Congressman, you know, the gentleman to my right is full of, I mean... You know what? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I won't even say it here, but this is what, exactly what I'd said. And this is Congressman Dan Burton asked for criminal sanctions to be brought against him, and not one single media body covered this at all. Exactly. Well, Nothing. there's a, there's a reason for that. We're going to get into that this hour, a special edition, if there ever was one, and really revisiting history as if we were a part of it, because we were. Doctor Batar especially was and is. And so that's why we're doing it today on Advanced Medicine Monday. Remember, pick up the nine steps to keep the doctor away. All the things that Dr. Batar has learned over the years right there for you to plug into. And we'll continue on covering this like no other media outlet right here on the Robert Scabell Show. Back with Dr. Batar after this. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. 
Then around 1990, something new and terrible happened to a generation of children. Autism rates didn't just rise, they multiplied. This escalation covered both full syndrome autism and the broader autism spectrum, including Asperger's. Some people claim this isn't real, that we're just doing better diagnosing. That's just wrong. If you read the old literature, the, the, the old surveys, they looked for everybody and they couldn't find people. They didn't miss 99% of the children with autism. It's not hard to find a child with autism. It's obvious when they're autistic. The notion that we're just doing better diagnosing, even in the CDC studies, they're using the same methodology. So when you see those numbers rising, that's not because the methods are changing. It's because there are more cases. That's Mark Blackshill from the Age of Autism. Uh, Dr. Batar, what an amazing thing he just let rip there. Well, you know, he's still sugarcoated because he said that's just wrong. It's not wrong. It's absolute, unadulterated rubbish and bullshit. Well said. <laughs> don't, don't hold anything back. You were there. You know exactly. And I think he was being polite for the congressional uh, ears there. Well, I, I tell you what, the, you know, at this point with the number of people that have been maimed by this worldwide, mm-hmm. I think it's time that we stop being polite. And, you know, started slapping some people awake. Well, yeah, well, that's that's what we're here to do. Uh, listen, you're listening to Advanced Medicine Monday here with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Of course, you can catch up all on the archives at uh, medicalrewind.com. We've got the links up, of course, as we do every day here on the Robert Scott Bell Show website at robertscottbell.com. Uh, Dr. Bittar, I mean, he literally said the CDC is using the same Stati- or a- analysis the way to, that it's always been analyzed and they're so all of them they're all saying that well well we're just better at, at finding it and mark says no 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 you're not better at finding it it's not hard to find when you're looking well it's it's, it's absolutely right and th- this uh argument that it's the reason that the statistics are different is because we have better diagnosis this is a standard method remember we've talked about projection robert before yes, yes, talked, okay. yes. this is a classic um distraction by changing the subject it is absolute ludicrous that is uh, i mean you did the voice introduction for the nine steps um video yes before the nine steps keep the doctor way it was called nine steps uh to optimum health Mm -hmm. you did that over 10 years ago yes and on that video on that particular dvd robert I address this very same point that when – not just in autism. I'm talking about in all chronic disease, cancer, heart disease. The rates are going up and they say, well, that's because our diagnostic therapeutic modalities were not as superior as they are now. So we can pick up more of these diagnoses so that number that's escalating is actually synthetic and not accurate. <laughs> it is a – it is just – it's just – unadulterated garbage i mean they're just spewing minutiae out there trying to distract and and, and create a diversion mm-hmm. so that people don't realize the truth it is absolute hogwash yeah i agree now let's hear one more clip here a short clip from Blackshill as he continues on in the midst of this crisis the federal agencies responsible for the health of our children have failed in their duty CDC's negligence has led the way. Many of us believe CDC has actively covered up evidence surrounding autism's environmental causes. NIH, meanwhile, has received the lion's share of funding, money they've wasted on status quo research and gene studies. It's absurd to focus on genetic research in this crisis. There's no such thing as a genetic epidemic. What do you think? Well, I mean, I've been using that word, those words, a genetic epidemic is, is absolutely BS. There is no such thing. I mean, there's no such thing as now from 1991 to 2012 now, 
you know, and you're talking 21 years, how can you have a genetic epidemic in 21 years? In 2004, in front of Congress, I said the same thing then. In 13 years, you can't have a genetic epidemic. And, and uh, Blackfield did yeah. a study with uh, Amy Holmes and with Boyd Haley, mm-hmm. which was a very key study for me when I was trying to figure out what to do in Abby's situation. And that's actually the reason that our treatment ended up being so successful is because of this one phenomena, and this was in uh, journal. It was the International Journal of Toxicology, and this study basically showed that the children that were autistic had lower levels of mercury. The children that were neurotypic, that were normally developing, had four times the level of mercury in their hair output compared to autistic children. And the more severe the autism, the lesser level of mercury in their hair. Now, that would sound, you know, initially sound at least counterintuitive, but in actuality, remember, hair is a dead excrement. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's ex- it, it indicated it, who was the excreter, the excreters. Exactly. That's exactly right. So the point is, in fact, at our A4M conference, I remember I was lecturing and gave this information and a doctor stood up and says, well, clearly what you're saying about mercury, it's not, it's not true because if it was true, then, then the study wouldn't have showed that. And I'm looking at him and I said, excuse me, what, what are you saying? And he says, Right here in the same study that you just quoted, normal children have four times the level of mercury. So obviously mercury is not the issue. So I wow. said, so what are you saying? We should give the autistic children more mercury? And, and the, oh, my gosh. The you you did you, man To bring the mercury level up to the same level as this neurotypic children? Is that what you're saying? And I'm looking around at the audience going, am I the only one that's sane over here? Or is everybody lost their freaking mind? Wow. Of course, you know, this is the rationale people don't understand. The reason that the autistic children had lower levels of mercury was because they can't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Everybody has mercury. It's the ones that can't get rid of it that has the problem. And they're the same people, the same population that has Alzheimer's. It's the po- population that can't get rid of it. it. The whole thing, I mean, I have said this for over a decade. In fact, probably now it's going on to 15 years. In 1998 was probably the first time I lectured on this, Robert. Yeah. In 2000, we started treating kids. In, in 2004, Abby testified after you know having suffered everything. Abby was born in 1999. Um, I have said the same thing. The definition of autism is very simple. It is nothing more than mercury toxicity on board a physiology that has the inability to excrete. That's it. It's a genetic predisposition for the inability to excrete, and now you introduce an environmental toxin into that physiology, and that's what defines autism. It's what defines Asperger's. It's what defines PDD. It's what defines Alzheimer's. It's what defines ADHD, and, and all to a lesser extent, all these other neurological conditions. And here's the here's the kicker: the American Academy of Pediatrics. Their data clearly shows that one out of six children being born in the United States has some type of a neurological deficit. The Centers for Disease Control's own data from the NHANES study done in 2003 clearly shows that one out of six women of childbearing age in the United States is mercury toxic. Now, it's not one out of seven, one out of five. It's one out of six, both components looking at children and looking at the mothers that are carrying these children from two different agencies coming out to be one out of six. One out of six mothers are mercury toxic. One out of six children being born has some type of neurological deficit. You don't have to be a freaking rocket scientist to start seeing the correlation here. I have a sense the dam is breaking, and I knew that this would get animated with you, Dr. Batar. This is where I wanted to go, because right now, after that event, and listen, the media didn't cover it at all. We know why. But many 
moms and dads out there who have children who are damaged in this way, who have been mercury intoxicated through vaccines, were breathing, sighing, crying because of what they heard of congressmen and women who had never before understood this, even though they're 10 or 15 years behind where we are at least. The fact is they were asking the right questions for the first time outside of just Burton and Watson and a couple of others. They were all nailing them. Something's Robert, going why on. do you think that is? It's that consciousness shift. That's right. We're in the midst of it. We talked about it since the beginning of this year and even before, and it is happening in real time. You know, we're in December 2012 right now. Yep. <laughs> we are there. Not on the we're cusp. There. We're in it. We're in it. So, listen, I, I want to take an early break because we went long in the first segment. We've got lots more to do on this, if you don't mind, Dr. Batar. This is fantastic, and I love the fact that we can weave it back through the history that you were there firsthand to witness and testify to. So if you don't mind, we're going to continue after the break and uh, discuss more about where this is going, reveal more of the testimony that happened. Quite astonishing. The consciousness is shifting. We'll be right back right here on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Batar on the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. In the financial world, the result of pressure to manipulate numbers to provide the answers that bosses want has a name. It's called securities fraud. In medicine, there are similar pressures. They're called special interest politics and even peer review. And what CDC has given us is the medical equivalent of securities fraud, all to avoid the inconvenient reality of the autism epidemic. Dude, he, he just, Blaxel just called the CDC out on fraud. Did you hear that? Yeah. And I think one of the congressmen was even shocked by that, but did not back down from it and said, are you sure? Is that what I'm hearing? And he didn't back down at all. See, that's why I say this is this is shifting. The CDC's got to be nervous as hell because now yeah. all of their PR that used to work, not working on Congress people even. They are usually the morons that accept everything. Yeah. I mean, this is what we've talked about before, too, Robert, that, you know, it's the public hitting that critical mass when they demand something being done. And that's where we've gotten to. I mean, when you've got one out of 50, one out of 60 children that has autism, and that's just autism we're talking about. We're not talking about all the other lesser degrees of pervasive developmental delay diagnoses, the the uh, uh, Asperger's diagnosis, so the autism spectrum, you know, disorder diagnoses, all these different components. When you start putting them together, there's a lot of parents that have been affected by this. And then remember that each one of these children – you know, they have an aunt, they have an uncle, they have a, uh, a cousin, they have, they have a grandmother, they have a grandfather. So it's affecting a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's the thing. I think that was unusual where the first adopter, so to speak, or the first that are impacted usually, like Burton, particularly how that happened within his family. And that opened up one little, one little crack in the dike, so to speak. But now I see... All of the CDC people, they don't have enough fingers to put the holes in that are just spewing forth what's happening here with the parents now that are saying, no more, we're not taking it anymore. And now I think this is, and it's a disaster. Let's, let's be frank about this. Why are they not covering this in the mainstream media? Because they have hinged, the, the pharmaceutical industrial complex has pretty much hinged its entire future, economic future on vaccines. They don't have enough blockbuster drugs on the horizon, so they realize they've got to keep people accepting these vaccines or else they're done for. You know, that's really, really a good point. I mean, they are actually just trying to ensure 
their future. They're essentially trying to justify their existence. And you and I both know that when an organization or a body or any group starts to desperately create this type of a scenario, they are in their death struggle. We've, in fact, talked about this on yes. the show. Yes. It, it's, it's beautiful because it's happening exactly as it should be. This is the last uh, gasp of air that they have before mm-hmm. they go down because they're obsolete and they know they're obsolete. The rest of the world knows they're obsolete. And now, finally, the body of government is starting to recognize, at least some of them are yeah. starting to recognize the ob- obsolescence here. You're right. And, and you know, one of the things that Boyd Haley mm-hmm. um, made a very, very good point when he was at the press conference, too, that we had gone to, um, when they, when one of the critical points was brought up, in fact, I think it was he was being interviewed by somebody, and the, they said, well, why would the CDC try to cover this up? You know, what, what would be their agenda? And he was kind of saying, like, why would, why would any governmental body or why would any body that's been appointed to protect the public, to protect us like the CDCs, what would motivate them to do this? Mm-hmm. And he said, it's not that they're motivated to do this. It's an issue of embarrassment. They have fallen asleep at the wheel and they have no other choice now but to cover it up. They're not trying to do this because they, they had some type of an agenda, according to Boyd at least. And, and, I, and I agree with that. They, it's not that they had an agenda, but they've now realized that they've made the mistake. They've realized how bad of a mistake that they made, they realize that this mistake has a potential of causing the next civil war type of a level of mistake. Mm-hmm. And they are now desperately trying to suppress the truth in order to, they just can't afford to allow the truth to come out. I mean, they have, how many millions of families have they affected mm-hmm. worldwide? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a Holocaust in a sense without everyone dying. I mean, you know, we, know, we know that, but the, the fact of the matter is you've taken many of these kids out of their ability to express fully what they were here to do by this mercury infusion, so to speak. And they are desperate to, to hide it at this point. They've got nothing else to do because not many of them realize that integrity, even in this late stage, could possibly save their souls. Rather, they're trying to hold on to any vestige of credibility because they know it's completely shot at this point. That's exactly right. I mean, they're just trying to, you know, it's, this is the difference. What I have always felt when a doctor comes to the realization of what he's been doing by following the pharmaceutical model of prescribing a drug to cover up a symptom. And when they come to the realization that there is a far superior way of taking care of people and not covering up the symptom, but actually addressing the causation factor first. And there's a, there's a path that they come to and they have to make a decision. Do I go right or do I go left? And, and the path that's least traveled is a path that says I'm going to go down the causation pathway, not continue to cover up these symptoms. But the vast majority continue that knowing full well that what they're doing is wrong. And that's why they're unhappy people. Mm-hmm. They're covering up their eyes and they're covering up their ears and just going blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what the CDC uh, has been doing. This is exactly what the governmental bodies have been doing. This is what every entity that was appointed to safeguard our lives and, more importantly, our future generations' lives. They fell asleep at the wheel. They are a source of embarrassment to, you know, they will be a source of embarrassment to future humanity. Well, much less their own families. And I, I could see a lot of them taking their own lives out of this because they've invested so much and now it's, it's, coming, it's coming to roost. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that uh, tries to promote that type of uh, thought process, Robert. But you know what? 
some of those people that have done this, like the offits of the world, yes, they would do them. They would do humanity a great service if they did eliminate themselves. Yeah. Back to the hearing. Another clip from Blacksville. In the face of a national emergency, government agencies, especially CDC and NIH, have performed poorly and behaved badly. We need accountable new leadership on autism at NIH and CDC. We need an advisory committee that believes in combating autism, not newly stocked with the one newly stocked with appointees who actually oppose that mission. We need a Combating Autism Act that truly combats autism. We need to stop investing in the autism gene hunt and identify what has changed in the environment that it could possibly have injured so many children. The scope and the magnitude of these changes. It's it's complicated, yes, but it can't be that complicated. There have to be a very small list of things that could have changed. I think he's soft-pedaling a little bit there as well for the Congressional Committee, but I kind of get the gist of where he's going. Yeah, he's really soft-pedaling because he, you know... He He knows. He knows. He knows the truth. Yeah. I think, yeah, and he was surrounded by... uh, Not everybody was obviously in the same camp, although they were surrounded by parents in there, too. So uh, the only people that got applause were the, the when the congressman a- actually asked these legitimate questions and didn't let the CDC off the hook. And also when Mark, Mark Blacksell testified, as you've heard, we've got one more clip when we come back uh, from this break. But, wow, stunning, stunning things that are happening here. And I'm so glad to, to be talking with Dr. Rashi Batar here, Advanced Medicine Monday, where we uh, really take apart things that even the old media is not willing to cover and if they did they certainly wouldn't get it to you in any way that you'd understand it or they would hope that you would understand it so stand by we got one more segment a good chunk coming up because we're taking an early break here so we could spend a lot of time discussing this and more with dr rasha batar i want to remind you january 25th and 26th in phoenix arizona your next opportunity to join us at advanced medicine seminars And this will be an amazing, amazing event. Each one is building on each one, and your life will be changed for the better because we really honor, and Dr. Batar, you really honor that principle saying the power to heal is yours in those seminars. I appreciate you so very much. Well, Robert, uh, it is the truth, and the truth will set us all free. (laughs) All right, we'll be back with more of that truth and facts to support it after this. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio it's the robert scott bell show ultimately we need to face and answer the question why are so many children sick we'll only do that hard work if agency leaders are held accountable to the american people not powerful interests in the medical industry so we're asking you the members of the committee for your help Please, let's not make this hearing a one-time episode. Please stay on the job in the next Congress. Root out the failures, the waste, the fraud, the negligence, and the abuse in these agencies that aren't doing their job. We need CDC and NIH to do their jobs, and they're not. There's a crisis. We need your help. <sighs> Dr. Batar, we know consciousness is shifting. I, I just don't hold out a lot of hope that the NIH and CDC will do their jobs. They've been so, there's been such an endemic, and the nature has been so criminal, in my opinion. Is there a way that we could see that salvaged, or where are we going to see the answers happening? I think that they're happening out in the field, like with you. Well, I think that the parents, being constituents of these Congress people, and because there's so many of them, and because it crosses all uh, genders, it crosses all ethnic boundaries, it crosses all political mm-hmm. uh, beliefs and political parties. It's the one thing that if all congressional members address, 
they will have support in their uh, in their own districts, in their own regions. And I think that's probably what it is. Again, we talked about that critical mass, you know, of the public, and I think that's what's happening. So regardless of what the CDC uh, or the other bodies that have been appointed to safeguard our futures, regardless of what they do or how they've fallen asleep at the wheel or what their um, attempts are to conceal or cover up what they've obviously done that was, you know, in – I mean, this is this makes the Germans remember, Robert, when we first started the show two years ago, I said, well, what's been done in this arena of medicine makes the Germans look like nice people that the, 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 the I'm Nazis, sorry, the Nazis, war, the Nazi German yeah, yeah, exactly look like nice people. What they what was committed against, you know, the, the atrocities of World War Two, that, that seems to be mere pittance compared to what this has happened, because they've done this underneath the noses of the entire world and done it on a far grander scale. Yeah, and we follow the lineage from I.G. Farben uh, to Sanofi, Bayer, Hest, all of these things. They manifested themselves. Many of the people that were responsible for a lot of the atrocities came in under Operation Paperclip and continued on in their journey uh, of, of, let's say, uh, obscene medical science, if it could be called that. And I didn't I didn't need to make sure that I apologize when I said German people. So I meant the Nazi Germans. Yeah, yeah. No, no. We got that. I, I think it, it, th- this is the thing that, that even – I this, love the German people. I've had to be yes. German shepherds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no. I mean, we've got fans in Germany as well. We know that. And I think they understand where where we're going because these are the things. And, you know, and I, as I lectured to my son's middle school class – a few weeks ago, I talked about this. The, you know, how did the Holocaust happen? What was the setup? We bring it full circle only when we begin to understand how to, how to integrate freedom and liberty into all of the areas, not just health freedom. Why we talk about the bankers, the international bankers, and how the funding of these events, the, uh, let's say, post-World War I, the Treaty of Versailles, how it absolutely bankrupt and made destitute the German people so that they would be ripe for a charismatic leader to do what Hitler ultimately did. And we can see reflections of that happening even today absolutely i mean that's exactly right robert it's it's something that you know when people say history repeats itself Mm -hmm. we are seeing history repeating itself (laughs) oh yes oh yes now if we're going to uh, let's say stop the repeat part of it has to be that we have to learn from from history now learning is one thing but being indoctrinated into not questioning or indoctrinated into not thinking critically is the problem that I've seen that we're now having to overcome. And it's been a lot disaster. And it's not to say that suddenly the heavens opened up on this, on the winter solstice. I mean, there are things that are shifting, but there's always uh, apparently human suffering. We also like to inflict our own wounds by continuing to ignore the past in this case. So I say a big part of this is, of course, the removal of the obstacles. And one of those obstacles is the mercury toxicity. Tie that into the fluoride in water and all the things that we talk about removing moving via the nine steps to keep the doctor away in my opinion well robert that's a that's a beautiful way to bring it uh, i appreciate the plug uh i i personally have believed this as a philosophical basis of what my practice has done but you're absolutely right and it's not just the removal of the mercury removal of these toxins it's also when you remove the toxins you have to replenish with what was actually there which were the essential trace elements we've talked about many yes. times the magnesium the selenium the, the the metals that are if they're imbalanced like the copper if it's too low it needs to be brought up of course we know that if it's too high it can be bad just like selenium if it's too low it needs to be brought up but if it's too high it, it can also be toxic and so to rebalance what's supposed to be there not only just pulling out the garbage but making sure we replenish the system with what we need that 
is essential for the metabolic process to continue. So uh, I completely agree with you, and and I appreciate you bringing it back in the nine steps. I know you didn't do it as a plug, but it sounds like it's a plug, so I appreciate that. No, no, I, I do it because it's as practical as anything. And I think people want, need, I certainly know my listening audience here, our listening audience here, appreciates that simplicity because there's so much confusion. We all often get people, and even at the advanced medicine seminars, remember this, Dr. Bittar, they always say, yeah, there's so many, there's this doctor that says this, there's this doctor, and, and people are pleading for simplicity, and, yeah. and you've already laid it out there. That's why I keep coming back to it. Well, it, it, was, uh, it was very refreshing and, and almost exhilarating for me to see when there were so many people there. In fact, I think most of the people there, Robert, had a copy of the book already. I don't think there were that many people that didn't have. In fact, no, they, they, most of them came with it to ask you for an autograph. Autograph, right. <laughs> so it was really, really reinforcing for me because one thing that I didn't want to do, I love trees and I didn't want to write a book that would end up being written on all these trees that are going to be cut down from, to make the paper. And so, you know, the statistics are that less than 3% of all books that are printed ever sell more than 1,000 copies. And I didn't want ever to contribute to cutting down trees unless there was a purpose behind it. And, you know, when the book hit bestseller status, which, you know, required, I think, 20,000 copies of something to be sold, that was, that was uh, a big thing. But when you see a person that's in the audience or, you know, two people, three people, and they come up to you afterwards and they tell you with tears in their eyes how the book has made a difference in their life and how they feel connected to me. I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more than that. That, that to me is you know, getting as close to the ultimate, which is when a person prays for me. And mm-hmm. so it, it's really, really a blessing. When I say it's a blessing, it, these aren't words. It truly, truly humbles me to know that something that I wrote has affected somebody else on the other side of the planet and, and changed their life or changed their loved one's life. And I can't see a better and bigger blessing than that. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, a lot of the wake-up calls are kind of things that now we witness and watch and say, wow, how absurd that we might have, like, passed off and not even recognized in the past. And we're seeing a lot more evidence of these things happening in the news as well, Dr. Petrari. I mean, here's a weird story as it gets. Uh, the city, Which city is this? Uh, it says... It wanted the you know citizens to do this so-called gun buyback program, and they offered like a free Wegman's card and a flu shot. Give us your gun, and we'll shoot you. I, what is this? <laughs> I, this is a <laughs> good good for gun buyback program. I know. What do you got? We don't here. Give us your gun. We'll give you. We'll shoot you. I mean, that, it's insane, if, especially in light of again the Cochrane collaboration. Everything that we're finding out. I mean, this is the year of, of consciousness and transformation. We know that flu shots don't work now. We know that the mammograms. You know, even though we've known it, but the fact is now they're having to acknowledge it. How are they going to ignore it? And even if they do, more people are coming to listen to us in the new media than are going to the old media. Even, you know, Dr. Oz, with all the help he got from Oprah Winfrey, is being dwarfed by the, the stories coming out of natural news. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's, that's amazing. And it's exactly what I would anticipate would happen with the coming of the new golden information age. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're in the last 30-day stretch now before the golden age starts, Robert. So it's exciting. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, another thing here, and I've talked to your brother Shyatt about this as well, the whole Obama deception. The fact is, there's another story that we just published on, on robertscottbell.com from John Rappaport about Michelle Obama's natural food campaign, which is kind of distracting from Obama's, 
you know, basically being fully in bed and enmeshed with the entire Monsanto GMO issue. Well, Robert, I'm just going to make an overall comment about this. And I don't know whether you know this, but my brother is a diehard Democrat. He's yes, not a Republican. He's not a libertarian. Um, well, uh, maybe he is now, but back back in the day, that's what it was. I mean, he was on stage with Hillary Clinton and talked and has addressed, you know, large crowds. And He's a lovable lefty. I know. I know. Yeah. And yet, I mean, when he talks about the deception. So that's the beautiful part over here is that we have so many people on the Republican side, on the Democrat side, that really wanted Ron Paul mm-hmm. to run. They really wanted Ron Paul to be the candidate for the Republican Party. They didn't care. And I think that the reason that the Republicans lost, which they should have lost, yeah. um, and not, not that Mitt Romney's a bad guy, and I'm sure that even Obama's not a bad guy, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. We're talking about what's good for the masses mm-hmm. and what's good for the world. You know, the number of people from other countries that were wanting Ron Paul to be the. Oh, yes. I mean, England, Germany. It was, I remember. Eastern Europe. We had, I had a guy on that was telling me in his travels to Eastern Europe, they had Ron Paul people everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They had parades. What country was it that was, I think it was China that they had a parade and they were talking about Ron Paul. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, this is what we're bringing out here, and we're not alone. And it's growing all of the time, Dr. Batar, and I can't wait till we're together in Phoenix in January, 25th, 26th. So everybody check out Advanced Medicine Seminars if you're anywhere near there or from Idaho. Drive on down like you did to Houston. Come on down and see us. Doctors, both days, laypersons, our audience, on Saturday at the event. We'll look forward to seeing you there. And, Dr. Batar, we're out of time. Can you imagine how fast it goes? It does go fast, Robert. We gotta have to maybe have to do two hours with you. We'll have to do a bonus segment <laughs> for the holidays coming up. So stand by for that. Next week, I've got uh, some great things happening, including Dr. Batar, as well as we do every week to launch the week. And I appreciate you, appreciate Nick Gonzalez for dropping by earlier. And uh, of course, the message continues here, and that is the power to heal is yours. Yeah.